Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, so good to have all of you at all of our churches today, Blountstown, Chipley, and Mariana. Today is a great day for you to be here if this is your first time with us today because we're starting a brand new two-part series entitled Note to Self. Now, here's the thing I think is true for all of us, and that is this. We've all had those moments in our life when we stumbled on this life hack or we got a piece of advice or an insight that made us think, um, man, I need to make a note to myself about that. But, but here's the thing, it's not enough just to simply stumble upon these nuggets of wisdom and, and think, man, that's just a great idea, and then go about our day and forget all about that. There has to be the application of wisdom to experience the benefit of any of that, which is why many of us say, well, I need to make a note to self. In fact, sometimes that note to self lesson, it comes from the experiences of other people. Sometimes it comes from the wisdom of others. Sometimes it's just a piece of advice from a mentor or a quote from a book that maybe you're reading in a devotional or maybe a passage of scripture or the simple realization of a lot of things that God is just speaking to your life from many different sources and you go, oh, I need to make a note to self. And many times we don't do that and we always regret it. But wherever they come from, these note-to-self moments of invaluable wisdom, whenever they're applied, they hold the potential to give us a level of freedom and a level of experiencing God, especially those notes-to-self from God's word, especially when Jesus speaks them. In fact, I want you to think about it this way for a moment. How many times have you ever come across a life hack or a piece of advice that you thought, man, why didn't I know that before? My life would have been so much better, or I wish I had learned that earlier in my life. I mean, we've all been there. We've all had those moments of note, or those note to self moments. We thought, if I had just wrote that down, my life would be so much better. If I had just remembered that and applied that, my life would have been so much better in this season. Well, for the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about a problem that may not be very relevant to any of you at our churches. I'm guessing that only a handful of you probably have ever even dealt with the issue that we're talking about. And some of you are wondering, well, I wonder why it even came. I mean, we're going to be talking about things that keep us awake at night and things that cause us to feel fear, worry, and anxiety. And I, most, I know most of you at all of our churches, you haven't wasted any kind of emotion on those kind of things in years, right? So there's only a couple of you that I'm going to be talking to today, right? If you haven't picked up on that, I'm being a little bit sarcastic. <laughs> right? Because here's, I know, here's what I know the truth is. You're all worried about something right now. Some of you, you're worried how long I'm going to talk about worry, right? I mean, like some of you, you're just anxious right now because you don't like talking about things that cause anxiety. I mean, the truth is we all have those things that cause anxiety in our life. We all deal with those things that cause fear, worry, and anxiety in our lives. And by the way, guys, if you're in my younger men's small group, I wrote this series just for you. Remember I told you that. So we're going to have a test in small group uh, this Wednesday night. So just remember that, right? I love my guys. I'm going to tell you. That's one of my highlights. I want to tell you something. One of the highlights of my week is my young men's small group, a group of guys between about 22 to 34, 35, that are all smarter, wiser than me. They got more potential than I could ever imagine. And I'm just going to tell you, getting to hang out with those guys is absolutely amazing. But here's one of the things that we all have agreed on. We let worry wipe us out too much. We let anxiety and fear take us out too much. 
So because I love my guys, the rest of you get to listen to this conversation that I'm having with my guys, right? And then we're going to be discussing it as well in our small group for the next two weeks, right? Is that, that okay with y'all, right? Because here's what I know. It's not just the guys in my small group. Many of you have not slept well in months because there is something that is keeping you awake every night. Now, not to create more fear, more worry, or anxiety for you, but there are a lot of things that can create those feelings in us, aren't there? I mean, you think about it. In fact, we kind of made a list of those things, right? There's all the stuff that goes with school. There's all the stuff that goes with finances. There's all the stuff that goes with parenting. There's all the stuff that goes with work and relationships and life. And then some of you, you're just worried and anxious about what you're going to have about for lunch today, right? Like, I mean, it says everything could cause, I mean, you get the point. There are a lot of things that can keep us awake at night that can cause worry, anxiety, and fear. Some of you, I mean, you live like worry and fear and anxiety are like these spiritual gifts that you have. Because you live with those feelings all the time about everything. I mean, you read something that people wrote on a website or on social media and you go into panic mode or you listen to something on the news and you go into survival mode or, or you watch a commercial and they talk about this medication that could cause health issues and you start freaking out because maybe somebody in your family or even you at some point in your life had possibly taken it. In fact... The people around you would say that you worry so much, you have so much anxiety that nobody else has to worry because you have enough for everybody else. Now, here's the thing that I know about you, probably like me, you've tried to worry less. You've tried to get rid of your fears. You've tried to deal with your anxiety, but nothing seems to help with the things that keep you awake. So here's what we're gonna do this week. And here's what we're going to do next week. This week, we're going to discover why things keep us awake at night. And then next week, we're going to look at how you deal with those things. Now, here's the reason we're going to spend this week looking at why things keep us awake, why they overwhelm us, why worry, fear, and anxiety just take control of us. Because if you don't understand what is causing the problem, then you're never going to embrace the solution. So next week, we're going to talk about the solution. And some of you are going, oh, so that means i got to come back next week. Uh, that's, a, that's a good thought, right? But for today, I want to start by answering this question. And it is this question here. Why do you feel worried, fearful, and anxious? Why do you feel worried, fearful, and anxious? And here's why, and you might even want to write this down. We feel worried, fearful, and anxious when anything feels out of our control. That's when we feel fearful, worried, and anxious, when anything feels out of our control. I mean, think about it this way. We never worry about things that we feel like we have under control. So worry, fear, and anxiety are the byproduct of uncertainty. So I feel worry, fear, and anxiety whenever life feels uncertain or whenever things feel like it is out of my control. Now, here's the interesting thing. It shouldn't surprise us then because this is such a common thing that Jesus talked about this issue of worry, fear, and anxiety. Because 2,000 years ago, people also had a reason to worry just like we do, maybe even more. So in his most famous sermon that's also oftentimes called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked a lot about a lot of note-to-self issues. 
A lot of note to self issues that can trip us up in life if we're not aware of them. I would encourage you to spend some time in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But if you got your Bibles today, I would encourage you to go to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be for the next two weeks. And guess what? In this list, in Matthew chapter 6, worry made the note to self list. And what's surprising is, oftentimes when we read Jesus' advice to us about how to handle worry, fear, and anxiety in our life, it can sound a little bit flippant and maybe even insensitive. In fact, when we're going through it, I want you to think maybe how it sounded to the people that were hearing it when Jesus was speaking this sermon to them. Maybe you've heard this before and you just thought it was kind of impractical. I don't really think that's going to help me. And so you just kind of didn't make any note to self and you didn't apply what Jesus said. But I'm hoping today as we bring this all together, you'll understand the power and the importance of this in your life. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And most of the time when we read this, we, we think about this in terms of our spiritual life and, and our secular world. We, we don't think about this in terms of how this works when it comes to worry, fear, and anxiety. But Jesus, in this passage here, he says, you can't be devoted to two competing causes. Because he says, they will battle each other, and in the end... One of them is going to win out. Don't miss that. Jesus is saying, you can't be devoted to two things, two competing causes. Because in the end, one of them, you're going to be devoted to one and you're going to despise the other. One of them is going to win out. And so as we're going to see, Jesus tells, tells us we need to choose very wisely what we're going to be devoted to. And here's why what you are devoted to matters. Because see, all of us, we look to something to give us security in life especially when we're facing times of uncertainty. And what we are devoted to determines what we look to for our security in times of uncertainty. Don't miss that. What we're devoted to determines what we look to in those times of uncertainty for our security. And so Jesus is very clear. You can't be partially devoted to God and something else for security. You can't do that. You can't be partially devoted to God and somebody else for any kind of security in your life. So at some point in your life, Jesus is saying, you've got to decide who or what you're going to depend on, you're going to be devoted to for your security in life. But here's the reality. Most of us, we don't want to have to make this decision. Many of you that are sitting in our churches today, you have been putting off this decision for a long time. You feel like that you can play both sides of the fence. But at some point of the time, we have to make a decision between something else or someone else and God as the source of our security. But we want to hang on to both. And because of that, Jesus starts the next verse with the word, therefore. Now, whenever you see the word, therefore, in the Bible, it's connecting to thoughts. And the thought that Jesus is connecting here is he's saying, listen, 
because there's this inner war, war that is going to go on in all of us, there's this inner war that's going to go on for what you look to for certainty and for security. He says, therefore, there's a note to self that you need to make. And he says it to us in verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now, these things right here that Jesus just mentioned, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, I mean, this is something that Jesus' audience, they really worried about. They did not have refrigeration like we do. And just think about, they didn't have manufacturing plants to manufacture a lot of clothes. So this is a really big deal, what Jesus is saying. I mean, Jesus is talking to a hand-to-mouth society. So water, food, and what they wear, it really mattered. It was a security issue for them. These were the things that kept them up at night. These are the things they worried about. Now, here's the thing. If Jesus were addressing us about what we worry about, what we fear, for most of us, it would be a little bit different. It would be more like, don't try to find your security. Don't, don't stay awake worrying about maybe your retirement or whether your kids are going to get into a certain class or to a certain school of their choice that they want or about whether you're going to be able to have that job that you want or whether you're going to be able to afford that dream vacation this summer that you want or about your health or about your financial security. But our pushback, just like the people that Jesus was talking to, like, Jesus, that's all great to tell us not to worry, but I think all these things are pretty important. Because they really determine my future. They determine my security, my certainty. So if I don't have all of those things that I need and my family need, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And just like the people 2,000 years ago, they had come up with a formula. Their formula was, well, if I have what I need to eat, if I have certainty about drink and what I'm certainty about what I'm going to wear, then I can live life without worry. But we've come up with our own formula as well in the 21st century. We, we have a formula that says, well, if I had these, these, and these things, then I would have no worry, fear, or anxiety in my life. And our formula would look something sort of like this. This is our flawed formula for a worry-free life. If I had the right career, if I've got the right spouse, if I had the right financial security, if I had the right kind of health, minus any problems, any pain, any suffering, then I would have a worry-free, happy life. Now, some of you, you would add some other things up in here in your formula. If you had the right education, if you had the right of whatever it is in your life that you look to for security, and whatever you would add in this formula, you know that's something that you're devoted to for your security. So we've all added a few things. But the reason we have this formula is we feel like if we had all of these things that we put here at the top, minus all these things we want removed here at the bottom, if everything were like that, then my life would be under control. If all this stuff, though, is not like I want it to be, if it's not all taken care of, then I can't have a worry-free, anxiety-free life. But if it is, if it were like this, then I could feel secure. And Jesus is helping us discover, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter any of the things you have in life. That's not going to bring security to your life. See, Jesus' point is all of our wants and all of our needs, they are absolutely legitimate. But there is always uncertainty in this world related to them. You, you can't find certainty in any of these 
things. But there is a way to face uncertainty tomorrow. There is a way to face things that don't turn out your way. There is a way to see life in a completely different way. In fact, Jesus continues in the next verse. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable? Are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus says, hey, I just want you to look around the birds. Do do they ever worry about anything? Which was something that the people that Jesus was talking to didn't place much value on because they, they could buy two for a penny. I mean, that's how little they valued them. And Jesus says, these things that don't have much value to you, do, do they ever worry anything? No, but God makes sure that they have what they need. And some of us might be thinking, well, what do birds have to do with this conversation about worry, fear, and anxiety? What, what Jesus is saying in verse 28 is, I'm not discounting the importance of the things that you have worry and fear and anxiety about. I'm just trying to help you understand why these things keep you awake at night, why they cause you not to be able to be even be present during the day, why 50 to 70% of your time you're worried about things that you're not even dealing with right now, but there are other things in the back of your mind that you're worried about. And Jesus is saying, the reason that you are so worried, the reason that you're so hyper-focused on these things or that thing or this person who's supposed to bring you security in life is because you're looking to them for your security. Understand, Jesus is not, hey, I want you to be irresponsible and everything's just going to work out fine if you trust me. No, what Jesus is doing here is he's inviting us to trust him first. Jesus is saying, I want you to look to God as your heavenly father for your security, or you could summarize it this way of what Jesus is saying is, trust God and sow and reap. Which means you need to trust God and fill out that application. You need to trust God and you need to study hard. You need to trust God and you need to work hard. You need to trust God and do your best to take care of yourself and do your best, set goals and all those things. But as you're doing all of that, you can do. In every moment of doing that, you're trusting God to be your sense and your source of security. And you're trusting God for what is next. And then Jesus takes his thought even a step further in verse 27. Notice what he says. Can any one of you by worrying, or we could add, or being anxious, or being fearful, or staying awake at night, add a single hour to your life? I mean, there is plenty of evidence to show that not only does worrying not add any time to our life, worry actually takes time from our life. Because the reality is, when you give your energy to worry, worry cannot give anything back to you in a healthy way. So Jesus says, can any one of you, by worrying about today, add anything to your life tomorrow? Can you, by worrying about today, bring any kind of security or certainty to your life tomorrow? And we all know the answer to that is no. Because we know that worry, all it does is sap your strength for today and empty your hope for tomorrow. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Notice the next few verses starting in verse 28. Here's what he says. 
And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spend. And then he goes on and says, I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Because they understood, you know, not only was Solomon one of the wisest men in the world, or the wisest man in the world, but he was one of the richest men that ever existed when Jesus was talking to them about this. And so he says, I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor, was dressed. You, you just got to imagine that was up there, right? Right? Then he goes on. He says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, Jesus reminds us. He says, don't, don't just look at the birds of the air, but look at the flowers in the field over there. Do they look like they're worried about anything? And we go, no, but God makes sure they look stunning. He dresses them well. So he's saying, if God takes care of them, you can be confident that he's going to take care of you. So stop worrying. And then Jesus tells us why we worry, as we said at the beginning of this conversation. I want you to notice the last four words in verse 30, but I don't want you to read them through the lens of guilt, shame, or condemnation. I want you to read them through the lens of a loving Savior who's trying to draw you into a new and better life. Here's what he says. You of little faith. Now, if you grew up in church word, world, these four words were probably oftentimes used to beat you up. But that's not what Jesus means here. Jesus is just saying, I just want you to understand, there is a relationship between your view of God and the trust that you have in God to take care of you. So I don't know what grid that you're looking at life through but Jesus is saying there's all kind of things that could have happened in your life or could happen in our lives that would cause us to push back on trusting God. There might have been an event. There might have been a situation. There might have been absence of parents. But Jesus is saying, listen, there's a relationship between your view of God, which determines the size of your faith. doesn't mean you're not a person of faith. But he says it determines the size of your faith or trust in God and the size of your worry. The greater the trust you have in God, the less you worry. And so what Jesus is saying to us, he's going, okay, you need to lean in and find out why you don't feel like God will take care of you. See, your view of God really determines how much you trust in God. In fact, Jesus could say it this way, the reason our worries are so big is that our faith, our trust that God is going to take care of us is so small. I mean, we, we all say that we believe that God cares enough about the birds of the, of the air and the flowers of the field to take care of them. But there's a reason, there's something going on in our minds for why we don't think God can or will take care of us. And so Jesus says, the reason that there are things that keep you awake at night is because there's something about your view of God that makes your faith in that he will take care of you very small. 
So there's a relationship between the size of your faith or your trust in God and the size of your worry. So note to self, the reason it is difficult for any of us to find peace in the middle of uncertainty, especially the uncertainty of tomorrow, the reason that we are devoted to and so emotionally distraught about some of the issues of life, some of the very important issues of life, is this one thing. There's something that is keeping us from trusting in our Heavenly Father. In fact, you might want to write this note to self down. When things keep me awake at night, it's my reminder that I'm expressing little to no confidence in God's willingness and ability to take care of me. Don't miss this. When things keep me awake at night, this is what Jesus is saying. When he says, you have little faith, he says, when things keep you awake at night, it's your reminder that, that we're expressing little to no confidence in God's willingness and ability to take care of that issue. So why do we feel worry, fear, or anxiety? Jesus says it's an issue of trust. It's an issue of confidence in God. So what if you could wake up every single day confident that God cares for you more than the birds of the field or the flowers of the field? What if you could wake up every single day confident that God really does care about you and he will take care of you? I mean, what would you worry about if you truly believe that in your heart? And the truth is, we wouldn't worry about anything, would we? Because if we were truly living in the certainty that our Heavenly Father was someone that we could trust, man, think about the certainty that that would bring or the hope for our future that that would bring. And you say, how do I do that? Well, let me just kind of give you a couple of steps today to kind of begin this process this week to help you begin to get your mind out of the temporary and the uncertain and remind yourself that God cares for you, that you are so much more valuable than those things that we look at like birds and flowers and go, oh, God cares for them. He cares for me. So when you start feeling worry and fear or anxiety, here's the first step that I want you to take this week. Here's the first one, and that is this. Ask yourself this question. Who or what am I looking to for security and certainty? Just stop, because that's, that's what Jesus is saying. Oh, you of little faith. Your, your faith, your devotion to security and uncertainty is in the wrong thing. So you need to ask yourself, who or what am I looking to for security and certainty? Am I looking to God or something else for security in life? Because if my worries point to my devotion, that thing I'm devoted to for certainty and security... What truly am I most devoted to placing my faith in, placing my trust in to give me security in my life? Now, that's the first step. So stop, pause, ask that question. Now, the other thing is, when you came in today, on your seat, there was a card with a passage that I'm gonna encourage you to review daily whenever you feel worry, fear, and anxiety. I want you to follow along as I read this passage from Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. This is what the apostle Paul wrote. He says, don't fret or worry. And, that, and that's what most of our lives are filled with every day, right? Fret and worry. I mean, that's what our complaining is, what our criticizing is, it's what our stewing is all about, it's what our grumbling is. That's the word fret. He says, don't fret or worry. 
Instead of worrying, what do you need to do? He says, everybody say it with me. Let, in fact, let's read this first whole line together at all of our churches. Blountstown, Chipley, Mariana, are we ready? Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Now, pause right there on that word pray, because then he begins to unpack what prayer needs to look like that is going to displace worry. Because some of you go, oh, I pray, and it doesn't help my worry. But the Apostle Paul gives us some incredible insight, and we're going to practice this, what he says today before you leave. So notice what he says. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. And then he tells us what our prayer, our prayer needs to consist of. Notice the next two words, or next two words that I have highlighted. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. So instead of worrying, you pray. But what do you put in that prayer? He says two things. He says, let your petitions, these are your concerns, your anxieties, your fears, all those things creating uncertainty in your life. He says, let petitions and praise shape your worries. You know why he doesn't say just let your petitions be known to God? Because whenever I focus just on my petitions, those things that cause worry, anxiety, and fear in my life, when I just focus on those, it makes me focused on the temporary and the uncertain. And when I get up, that's all I'm still focused on from my prayer. He says, so let petitions, all those worries, fears, and anxieties, along with praise, shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns, that's the petition part. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, that's the praise part. A sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. Know what we all need? It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. This is the praise part. You bring the petitions to God, and then you put the praise in, and all of a sudden, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So our challenge to you is that you'll commit to reading this and applying it every day this next week. So how do you apply it? Well, this week, whenever you feel anxiety or worried or afraid, what, what should you do? The answer actually is pretty simple. The Apostle Paul says, you just don't focus on the problems. And here, why don't you do that? Because worry always draws you back to the temporary and the uncertain. If all your prayer is petition, this is what you're going to get up, still focus on. Instead, he says, you need to focus on God who is bigger than your problem. That's why the Apostle Paul says, let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayer. So prayer is the combination of your petition and praise. And he says, that's what creates peace. He said, it'll settle you down. So he's literally saying, you, you pray this way until the peace comes. So instead of being overcome with worry and fear and anxiety, you take your problems to the one who not only can handle it, but also cares about it more than you care about it because God cares for you, invites you to call him father, which means you don't need to worry. Just bring those petitions to God, but then you thank and praise him for all the things that he has done. Thank him for caring about you and then leave it in his hands. So again, what would happen if every time you worried, you felt you know, fear or anxiety or, or what, what if you 
Every time you felt that, you brought petition and praise to God and you let him shape that into your prayer. I'm telling you what can happen. So I've experienced this in my own life. And that is this. I think you would worry a lot less. I think you would be content and thankful a lot more. I I think you would be happier and you'd have more peace in your life. The Apostle Paul promises that. Your your faith story would change dramatically. You would see God at work and around you more than you do right now. You would see God answer more of your prayers, your relationship with your Heavenly Father. It would just become more personal and stronger and closer than it is now because he would become your closest and your best friend. You would trust in him for. I mean, exponentially, it would just be amazing the growth that you begin to experience in trusting God. And I think you would start living a life that would inspire other people around you to trust God more because you would have a peace that is beyond explanation, a peace that causes them to stop and go, wait, how are they able to handle everything going on in their life and have all this peace and all this certainty and all this security? So here's my challenge to you this week. Would you begin the process of trusting, choosing, as we sang earlier. Would you choose, I choose to pray, we sang earlier. Would you choose this week to pray with petition and praises? And if you will, I promise you, God will be more personal than what he's ever been. You'll see him work in your life more than you've ever seen him work in your life. You will have a peace that begins to settle you down and it will transcend all of your understanding. Because it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. So to close us out today, we're going to practice this. I'm going to pray for us. And then the bands are going to come out on all of our campuses. And they're going to play an extended intro into a song of praise. And while they're playing this extended intro, it's an opportunity for you to present to God all the things that you came in today worrying about, all those fears, all those anxieties, all those uncertainties. You just spend the whole time in this pause moment just presenting all of those things to God. So while they're playing, you petition God by telling about all those things. Then after a minute or so, Our team is going to move into leading us into a song of praise. And at that point, they're going to ask you to stand. Last week, we asked you to kneel because that's the position of surrender. Standing is our position of praise. So as we sing this song of praise, I just want to challenge you to just trust God. Say, God, I'm praising you. I'm, I'm asking you to take the petitions I gave you and the praise that I'm giving you and just blend it into this amazing prayer, a prayer of gratitude and trust. Let's just declare to our Heavenly Father, hey, I know that you're able to do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine. I know that your love is beyond anything that I could ever imagine. And my prayer is that this week, you'll begin to see the benefits of bringing petition and praise together and letting God shape that into a prayer a prayer that will settle you down. Can we make that our pattern all of this week? So let's do that together before we leave the room. So I'm gonna pray for us and then I want you to enter into a time of petition and praise and watch God make this into an amazing prayer in your life today.
Heavenly Father, it is a wonderful thing that happens when Christ displaces all the worry at the center of our life. And right now in this moment, we're asking you to come and do that. Heavenly Father, as we bring our petitions, all of those things that have been keeping us awake at night, all of those things that fill us so much anxiety that we can't even be present in the moment, as we bring those petitions to you, and then as we bring our praises to you, I thank you for the promise that you're going to shape them into a wonderful prayer. A prayer that will settle us down and it'll move our focus from the temporary and the uncertain. And we'll be able to see, we'll be able to see with certainty that you care, you love, and you will supply all of our needs, even in the most difficult times and difficult circumstances. God, I thank you for your incredible goodness to us. And we lean into that goodness right now by choosing to trust in bringing our petitions to you and then choosing to praise by singing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.